You open your Bible to Mark chapter 16. And we're going to read verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Those are the words of our Lord Jesus to his disciples. You might say it's a demand, a command. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. When I looked at these verses, this verse, I thought of three things. The will of God, the work of God, and the way of God. That's what we're going to look at. The will of God, the work of God, and the way of God. I guess there isn't a more diverse assembly, certainly in America, than this one at Midland Park, New Jersey. Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel. First off, it's God's will. Psalm 40 and verse 8 talks about the psalmist. Know what he says? I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, the law is within my heart. The psalmist delight to do the will of God. So if we have a earnest desire to do the will of God, we can look at that verse and <clears throat> have great Understanding of what the, the psalmist thought of the will of God. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, we studied this a month or two ago, and for some reason, I keep it in my mind. Talked about the will of God. It says this it says that it's good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect. And that always brings me back to the words of the Bible. You know, there's many versions now these days. But I believe that the version that we've read from today is precious. And every word is special. It says the will of God is perfect. You don't need any more adjectives or adverbs to describe the perfectness of God. All things that he does, perfect. But it also said it's good. And it's acceptable. So, when we look at these three words that are on my mind today, the will, the work, and the way, we're reminded of something else that God tells us in His Scriptures. In 2 Peter 3 and 2, it says this, that He's not willing that any should perish. So that would give us a reason why we should go out into the world and preach the gospel. Because God is not willing that any should perish, not one. And when you think of the world about us, if you read the newspaper or see the news, you see that there's hatred and violence and sin. Sin abounds. The Bible says sin abounds. But yet God is not willing that any one of those people will perish. The man this week 
out in Colorado, shot and killed 12 people, injured 50 or so. Is he a sinner? Just like everyone else. The Bible tells us all have sinned. I'm sure of the glory of God. There might be different levels of sin. There might be different situations in each case. But be assured of this, that God's willing that all will not perish, that they all be saved. Now we talk about God's work. Work is an interesting thing. We were at the lake here last week, two weeks ago already, I guess. man was asking me, I've met him every year. We meet these people year after year. We've been going to the lake for 45 years. Almost every cottage we have seen a death. There was death there before we got there this year. The day before, a man died. And I asked his widow, I said, I saw her sitting out in the yard, and I gave her my condolences. And she said, I said something like, life is unusual. And she said to me this, life is mean. Life is mean. You see, we're in a world that has different opinions and different guidelines and different goals. But when we think of work, and this man was asking me about my work and how I started and where I got to where I am. And this week I was thinking about work and it reminded me of one of my classmates. His name was Bill Widnall. His father was a United States congressman for many years. Lives up in Saddle River. Bill was a regular guy in class the only difference in him and me is he got all A's mathematics were easy for him nothing was a struggle but yet he wasn't what we would call a very studious guy he just was a nice guy he wanted to play ball with the boys but when it came to adding up the numbers he knew how to do that Bill graduated in those years not everybody went to college today 95% of the kids go to college. Back then, maybe 45% went to college. Bill went to MIT. And at MIT, he met his wife, who had been at MIT also. And they, they married, and eventually, both of them were professors at MIT. And Bill was involved in the space program early on this is the early 60's he was a bright guy he understood what the problems of going to the moon and going to space today his wife is the secretary of the air force so when you think about his work he's been very successful in the world standard I don't know where he stands I haven't seen him for many years, but I don't know where he stands for all eternity. So although he's been very accomplished at work, whether he's ready for heaven, I don't know. But 
as time goes by, he's my age, which is getting old, and it's time if he's not saved that he find the Lord Jesus. Anyway, that's the thought I had about work. There's five things about work I want to bring to you, and they are the following. Who will do the work? You see, when we look at this verse, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, that's work. And the question here is, who will do the work? And where will the work be done? And when will it be done? And why should it be done? And also, what can be done? Five things about the work that I'd like to bring to you this morning. You see, this verse was addressed to the eleven disciples. The Lord Jesus said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, when we think of why, why the work? The first thing that came to my mind was this, is eternity. There's an eternity that lies ahead. And that's why this work of going into the world and preaching the gospel should be done. Eternity. Heaven and hell. You'll be in one place or the other. Either in heaven for all eternity. Lord Jesus says it's a place of paradise. And the man that's in the Bible in Luke that's in hell says he's in torments. So that's why the work has to be done. And because God wants the work to be done. And of course, if you become a worker for the things of God, there's great satisfaction and blessings of God. You know, as you get older, there's some advantages of getting older. And that is that you see different things that have taken place. You've seen people who have received blessings. I don't want to elaborate on that. But there are such things as wonderful blessings from God. I pray that God reminds you every day of the blessings that He has given to us. To be here this morning gathered to his precious name and he's in our midst is that a blessing is there any other place you would rather be you know I asked the preacher down in Florida last year I said Mr. Steers where would you rather be he answered just like that he said heaven I thought he would say no other place See, I was wrong he said heaven now, what is, the, what is the work that has to be done? It's preaching the Word. Preaching the Word of God. And it's doing other things. It would be maybe distributing tracts or calendars. Or maybe just living a good testimony. People, you know, again up at the lake, this man asked me, they all know that Sunday we're not going to be around. We're going to go to the meeting. And it's 125 miles away. And the man said, the young man, he's, oh, he's 45, I guess. He said to me, he says, where are you going? To Vermont? Yes, Vermont. 
125 miles? Yes, 125 miles. He says, and what does the mass last, about 20 minutes? I said, no, three hours. He didn't know what to say. Three hours. We weren't going to go for 20 minutes. There is a difference. There is a difference. Pray for him too. And living a good testimony. That's, that's doing the work. How do, you, how do you live a good testimony? Do the people in your neighborhood know where you go? Do they know about the Lord Jesus? Do they know they need to be saved? Are they saved? A good testimony. The people are not ignorant. If they're around you very long, they know what you think and what you believe. You may not even have to tell them. I'm amazed sometimes when I'm doing things and making an appointment maybe sometimes at night to see somebody. And they tell me I can't go on Thursday night because that's the prayer meeting. How do they know that? They don't hear Mr. Carmichael make the announcements, but they know. And so it is. Now the way of the work. Probably the most precious words some of the precious words of the Bible is from the Lord Jesus. In John 14 and 6, He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. What words from the Lord Jesus Himself? He says, I am the way. That's the way of God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. You've got to come to Him. There's no other way. We often sing, there's no other way to trust and obey. In Proverbs 16 and 25, we read this. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. You see, there's other ways according to the world. There's a way that seemeth right. There's people who think they've got the right way. And they, they seek to please God or please themselves or please others in their way. It seemeth right. It, you know, if you ask them, they, they, they are earnestly trying to do what's right. They'll tell you they go to church on Sunday morning and they do this and they do that. It only seemeth right. The Lord Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Now it says here in this verse, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. The gospel, what is the gospel? Paul could say this, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You see, it's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not somebody else's gospel. It's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to read to you, you don't have to look it up, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. Here's what it says. In whom the God of this world 
hath blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God should shine unto them now if you ever heard Mr. Frank Knox Henry mentioned him last week I believe or the week before he would ask he would be preaching and he would say this about his testimony he said did you not see that before he says no I didn't see that before because the devil had me blinded that's true here's the verse it says in whom the God of this world that's the devil had blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light you remember the Lord Jesus says I am the light lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God should shine unto them what a, what a verse that is that lest the, the light should shine in lest you should be aware of your need of salvation the devil would blind you and discourage you from hearing the gospel then I also want to read one more verse Revelation 14 and 6 and that goes like this this is speaking concerning the everlasting gospel and I saw an angel fly in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth to every nation and kindred and tongue and people here again is an elaboration of what we have been speaking to about going into all the world every nation, every kindred, every tongue, every people you know when I was a boy maybe 10 years old there was a family came from Ireland and they were on their way to Venezuela Mr. Joe Milne and his wife and two children Ashley who's now out on the west coast was about nine or eight eight or nine years old he had a sister a little younger they were doing what this verse that we've read several times already go ye into all the world preach the gospel they were going to Venezuela they were leaving their home in Ireland I don't know what Mr. Milne did at that time but if you saw Mr. Milne he had a big red face and always a smile I saw him in his last days over in Ireland he was in Lisbon in a meeting and there he was him and her they were at the end of life he still had a big smile he'd done a great work you know they, they came here my brother was studying Spanish in high school Mr. Milne didn't know Spanish he was learning Spanish and he didn't have a summer suit you know in Ireland you don't wear summer suits he was going to the tropics he had to go into New York and get a summer suit and they stayed around here for quite a while maybe a month or so Martha would remember and when they got to Venezuela it was no vacation it was a place of work they were working 
Mr. Milne would tell you that he would go out in the hot of the day delivering tracts to the neighborhood and the priest would become up behind him taking the tracts away from the people. That's discouraging work. But they carried on. It wasn't too many years that the little girl that they brought from Ireland died in Venezuela. She was ill. They carried on. You know, today... I believe there's more assemblies in Venezuela than there are in America. Men, there were other men, not just Mr. Milne. There were other men that came. Other men that left all their things at home, left their families. And they went to do the work in a far country. It says here, go ye into all the world. You know, I think many of the missionaries use that verse as a grounds for their desire to go into the world. Some went to Africa. Some went to the Middle East. Some went to India. Some went to China, Japan, the islands of the sea. You know, I don't see Mr. Baldwin. Here he is. I often hear him pray. Thank God that the gospel came to where he was. Why? Because men did what the scripture scripture says. Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel. That they might be saved. You know, the work, when you think of the work that has to be done, you say, well... How does that affect me? I can't go to to Africa. I can't go to South America. How can I do the work? Well, what I want you to know is this is, that Midland Park, New Jersey, is in the world. Patterson, New Jersey, is in the world. And New York City is in the world. So you can go into the world without going to Africa or India, or South America, or China. You can do your work right here. And what work can you do? Well, there's many things you can do. And you can, you have a God in heaven that will hear your prayers. Say to him, Lord, what will thou have me to do? Remember the apostle Paul, when he was struck down on the way to Damascus. He said this, Lord, what shall I have me to do? He was willing to do the work. Not everybody's willing to do the work. Sometimes it's not so convenient. Sometimes it's not so pleasant. If you got the true answers from some of the men that have gone to these foreign countries that are not like here, they will tell you. I remember one of the men in Africa talking about a lion up in the tree. And you wonder if he's going to get eaten alive. Or Mr. Sayward and his donkey walking a long distance to the meeting and back home again at night. And the animals in the bush of great danger. But they survived. God was with them. We can thank God. You know, I think of the men mostly from the United Kingdom, 
from Scotland and Ireland and England and Wales that came. They came here. They came here to the United States with the gospel. So we as Christians in the modern world, we have all kinds of conveniences, all kinds of luxuries, and we have all kinds of obligations. And we should have a desire to do the will of God. We have families. We have relatives. I think most of us have relatives that are not saved. And we have friends that we know and business acquaintances that we could tell of the gospel. Don't have to go to Venezuela. Don't have to go to Africa. I remember before I was saved, I was in Africa. at Christmas time and at that time in the villages there the young people six, seven, eight, nine, ten, would come to the homes of the compounds and they would sing Christmas carols and what they were looking for was a, what they call a dash a little bit of money they'd come and sing a Christmas carol and you were supposed to go out and give them a dollar or something I remember I went out there. I was interested in hearing them sing. Maybe eight or nine children singing. Wonderful. Wonderful to hear the children sing here. So I asked them, I said, Do you know Jesus loves me? Oh, so, yeah, we know Jesus loves me. And they sang for me, Jesus loves me. And you know, I wasn't saved. But God spoke to me. He said, Listen. Somebody has gone to this country. Someone has gone into the world to preach the gospel. The word of God was there. And we have this word of God that we should honor and respect and read and be thankful for. It's eternal. It's an eternal word. And it's God's word. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing for us to be able to read it and to seek to understand it. If there's some things that we don't understand, the God of heaven, who is kind and merciful to us, if you ask him, he'll reveal to you his precious word. Oh, you might not know everything, but you'll know he'll give you joy and happiness by reading his word by understanding I'm amazed when I look at it and see what is contained in the word of God so my verse for you today is this go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature who is to go all of us so the word not to one group or one person or one type of person it's to all of us. Go ye into all the world. And there's places, if you think, and there's things that can be done. Mr. Surgeoner sent me a birthday present the other day. He sent me a book about his work in West Virginia. And along with it, he sent me a few tracts, which are tracts for Christians. And one of the tracts is titled The Value of One Track 
That's the title of it. And it's quite lengthy. It goes through a lot of different situations. And he says that about 10 years ago, he was in Ireland in a place called Kilkeel. Our brother mentioned Kilkeel last week. Mr. Sergener was there for a series of meetings preaching the gospel. And one night a man came in, he says, kind of a rough man. They didn't know who he was. See, over there, most of the people know everybody. This is a stranger came in. He sat in the back, and they wondered, what's this all about? When the meeting was over, the man came to Mr. Surgery and says, I want to talk to you. Oh boy, I'm in trouble. What he said, Mr. Surgery, ten years ago, I received one of your tracks, and I got saved through the track. And I've come, he come quite a distance that night to thank Mr. Surgener for one track. So we've got a lot of tracks in the back of the hall. Can you imagine how many tracks have been given out over the century? There was a man in Philadelphia in the Bryn Mawr meeting. They tell me that he would he was a bachelor man, and he would come Saturday morning to New York City with 10,000 tracks, hand them out. He stood there in the corners until he handed them out. Didn't do it one Saturday. Did it many Saturdays. So there's a work to be done. He went into the world and preached the gospel. He distributed the gospel. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a precious thing it is. So each one of us can come up with something that we could do that would be pleasing to God. And as I said before, you would live a life of liberty and and blessing from God. All the blessings don't happen at once. And the gospel goes on. Here it is in this modern world. I I gave thanks for lunch here a, a month or two ago. And a man said to me this. He says, are you not afraid in this world today to mention in public the Lord Jesus' name? That's the world we live in. Do they need a track? Do they need the word of God? They certainly do. And it's powerful. The word of God is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It can awaken the vilest sinner. And the sinners that get saved, they are going to be in heaven for all eternity. That's something to think about. When a sinner gets saved, they're going to be in heaven for all eternity. May these few words, I hope and pray, that they would have some meaning to you. And encourage us, every one of us, to understand the will of God, the work of God, and the way of God. Remember, the way is this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no man, not one single man, cometh unto the Father but by me. Let us pray.